It doesn't take a hundred years to do this. It takes political courage. Yes, it does. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ and in Cottage Grove on Queso, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR, New Orleans, WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, in Fayetteville, Arkansas on KPSQ, Seattle, Washington on KODX, Red Bluff and Redding, California's KFOI, and Round Mountain, California's KKRN, not to mention AM950 KTNF in Minneapolis, St. Paul. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day, thanks to you on the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from Bradblog.com. Thank you very much for Joining us today as we once again try to make some sense of it all. And I've been telling myself all day long, Desi Doyen, breathe. Yes. Just, Just breathe. breathe. Yes. <laughs> Very good point. Very good point. Um, I know there's a lot of noise and, and panic and frightened folks out there today. Understandably, following the announcement on Wednesday that swing vote Justice Anthony Kennedy will be stepping down from the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, and talk about who will replace him and how to stop that and the litany of long-fought, long-earned civil rights that may be rolled back in the bargain with whoever it is that Donald Trump decides to nominate, who's ever able to uh, get through the confirmation process such that there is one anymore in the U.S. Senate. Much talk of how to stop that, how Democrats can stop that. Um, how, uh, you know, a response is necessary to Mitch McConnell and the Republicans who stole the previous vacant seat left uh, open by Antonin Scalia and then uh, held open for nearly a year by McConnell and the Republicans in an unprecedented blockade of that seat and how Democrats should use that same tactic to to uh, block Donald Trump's nomination if they can. Uh, and uh, there, there's certainly good reason for that. As the New York Times wrote, writes today, uh, for many, the announcement of Kennedy's departure was almost too much to bear, particularly after a month in which they were disappointed by Supreme Court rulings that, among other things, narrowly upheld Mr. Trump's travel ban, curtailed union power, and let stand a plan to purge state voter rolls in Ohio. Monica Russo, a 41-year-old stay-at-home mother on Long Island, 
who said, we are so much more screwed today than we were yesterday, and we were pretty screwed yesterday, she said. Uh, Coming on the heels of Tuesday's decision upholding the travel ban, Ms. Russo felt overwhelmed. She said, my stomach dropped. I know that Trump is hell-bent on replacing any justice with somebody who would be a threat to reproductive rights. It makes me want to do anything that I can to make sure that everybody knows the importance of voting in November. Good response, Ms. Russo. Still, I know there's a lot of uh, panic and fear and uh, despair out there today, so I kind of want to put all of the the, the strategizing and the, the panic where we can, kind of put that aside for a few minutes here, at least today. There's going to be time for that. Uh, but I think we also need to uh, to take stock to hear from some uh, some some pretty smart people to help sort of put all of this into perspective, at least for a few minutes. We'll have plenty of time uh, to, to fight this fight uh, and to find out what happens thereafter if the fight is lost. Um, but, you know, I want to sort of put this into perspective just a little bit today uh, so we can really try to be more effective in mobilizing against all of this in any way that we can. And frankly, uh, today's show, I think, is as much for me as it is for you. I think I'm talking to myself here uh, as as we go and as we work through this. But uh, some uh, some perspective. First, from Dan Rather, who has uh, seen his fair share of some pretty awful times over the years. He actually had uh, two pieces that he uh, two short pieces on Facebook on Wednesday that I think are are worth citing at least in part. Here, he talked about uh, the Supreme Court, uh, the scene of what is in essence a coup led by Mitch McConnell who flaunted democratic norms, that's a nice way to put it, to help uh, elect President Trump and install Neil Gorsuch on the bench. And now the retirement of Anthony Kennedy will likely further push back the tides of a progressive worldview in America. He notes that uh, covering the civil rights movement, I saw many setbacks to the vision of Dr. King and his fellow activists that dwarf even this latest development. They responded with bravery, strategy, and an ironclad resolution in the justice of their cause. So too did women suffragists, labor activists, and anti-war protesters. Ultimately, he writes, the will of the people can prevail even in the halls of tilted justice. If you see this as a fight for the future of democracy, let those in power know that the will of the majority can still hold sway. He says, I remember many grave moments in our nation's history when hope seemed to be a largely extinguished sliver of light on a distant horizon. But those who responded to those odds with a determination to march forward time and time again helped grow that light into a bright new sunrise for a better day. In a second post following that one up, headlined A Message of Courage and Hope from Dan Rather, uh, he writes, For decades, Republicans have been able to have it always, promise a radical reactionary rethink of American democracy to its rabid base and hide behind a court that protected them from what would be a very po- unpopular set of policies 
with the general public. Well, no longer, he says. He's talking here about, you know, Republicans for years have been running uh, against abortion, against gay people, against immigrants, knowing that uh, this fires up the base, gets people to vote, but that, you know what, the uh, Supreme Court is probably not going to roll back all of these rights in reality, at least not as it was previously uh, made up. Now, that is all about to change, depending on who is uh, put into Anthony Kennedy's seat, Anthony Kennedy, who had been, um, you know, even though he was very right wing, a conservative appointed by Ronald Reagan, uh, very right wing on many issues, particularly of late in this last term. He has been pretty terrible, but he has um, protected a number of rights, including uh, the right to choose when it comes to abortion and gay rights. Dan Rather asks, do we really want to outlaw abortion? We may soon know. Do we really believe we can attack gay rights and other rights at unprecedented levels? We may soon know. Do we really believe that our corporations should have unfettered power and workers have relatively none? Here again, the movement is already afoot. The farce is shattered. The fig leaf has disappeared. The obfuscations have been replaced by clarity. And what is in its place is a very unpopular president stoking the flames of a massive backlash. He notes, I do not say this to be Pollyannish. I know there is a feeling among many progressives that they have lost, that the future is a foregone conclusion, that they see the forces arrayed against them on the battlefield of justice and feel the doom of certain and impending defeat. But turn to your left and right and see the long lines of fellow citizens. Take a breath and feel the cool air of hope and justice in your lungs and then march forward. He adds the hashtag steady, hashtag courage. <laughs> That's what he used to say at the end of his, uh, yeah. his broadcast back when he was the anchor. Yep. Uh, there's some good advice. There's some helpful advice, I think, today. Uh, more helpful advice as well uh, comes from John Lewis, of course, the uh, Congressman John Lewis of Georgia, uh, a hero to many of us, uh, an icon, civil rights icon, whose skull was cracked open uh, crossing the... Um, Crossing the bridge in the march from uh, Selma uh, in the march to Selma on Bloody Sunday, uh, over at Daily Coast Meteor Blades uh, writes about what John Lewis had to say. And you know, I've always uh, liked Meteor Blades over there at uh, Daily Coast. I've got uh, I've had my uh, quibbles with um, many folks at Daily Coast over the years. Meteor Blades is not one of them. He has been great on voting rights and all sorts of things. Uh, and I don't know him personally, but now I think uh, reading this piece, I sort of understand uh, why I like him okay. so much. Actually, I've learned a little bit about him that I didn't know. All right. He cites um, Congressman John Lewis, who posted to Twitter yesterday advising, do not get lost in a sea of despair. Be hopeful. Be optimistic. Our struggle is not the struggle of a day, a week, a month, or a year. It is the struggle of a lifetime. Never, ever be afraid to make some noise and get in good trouble. Necessary trouble. He adds the hashtag good trouble. 
About 575 uh, protesters outside the Capitol uh, today in Washington, D.C., were arrested getting into good trouble protesting against Donald Trump's immigration policies. There's a good example of some good trouble. 575, according to AP, just just across the wire before we went to air. But Meteor Blades, uh, citing John Lewis's tweet there, said, It's not the first time I've heard Lewis use such language. He says, More than half a century ago, in 1964, a few of us got directly from him the final polish on our training to persuade black Mississippians to register to vote. Oh, wow. Yes. Meteor Blades was there in 1964. In Freedom Summer. Yeah. He said, we had arrived in Jackson just four days after the civil rights workers, uh, after three civil rights workers had disappeared. People we assumed had been slain through, uh, though this would not be confirmed for six more weeks. And in fact, uh, those three workers were slain trying to simply register folks from Mississippi to vote. Gave their lives. Meteor Blade says Lewis, who was just 24 years old at the time, told us the same thing uh, he did in that tweet of his today. Do not despair. Be hopeful. He says this isn't a call to be happy. Uh, Don't worry. There is plenty to be unhappy about, to worry about, to fear. Another right wing justice would surely go far to uphold various aspects of the extremist Republican agenda that Trump has been pushing, though that agenda long predates his victory 20 months ago. The struggle against this will be has been immensely difficult. If there's anything that will make this struggle harder, it's giving in to pessimism. He writes, Lewis knew 54 years ago and knows now that despair creates apathy and apathy destroys activism. Giving into despair is lazy surrender. We cannot, of course, be Pollyannas. The path forward is rugged. Many tactics can be used. Many already are to oppose aspects of the regime's agenda, but the range of possibilities for blocking a Supreme Court nominee is narrow indeed, he notes. And yes, it is. Democrats and others who uh, appreciate uh, the need to prevent the overturning of abortion rights, voting rights, labor rights, immigration rights, minority rights, and just about everything else uh, that another far-right Trump nominee will almost certainly guarantee here, they seem to be coalescing over the past... 24 hours, I guess, since the announcement about Kennedy uh, around the, uh, a strategy uh, that, well, to try at least to block whoever is nominated by Donald Trump. As we discussed yesterday, there are 51 Republicans in the Senate uh, and 49 Democrats, with the GOP now having done away with the filibuster for Supreme Court nominees. That means they need just 51 votes in the Senate. Uh, But John McCain, he is on uh, extended absence uh, dealing with the cancer. That means the Democrats would have to win uh, to win over just one other Republican to block Trump's nominee, whoever it may be. And as many uh, have been pointing out, Donald Trump has already said he will nominate someone from his so-called short list of judges that he released during the campaign, a list which was put together, by the way, by the Right Wing Heritage Foundation and includes only judges who have said they would, in fact, overturn Roe v. Wade. 
So if he's successful in that, Roe v. Wade, the constitutional right to abortion, that case will likely be overturned. So if all 49 Democrats hang tough, and that's already a tall order, but if all 49 Democrats hang tough and one of the pro-choice Republicans in the Senate decide that they do not want to be the vote for this justice who ends up uh, banning abortion across the U.S., someone like uh, Maine's Susan Collins or Alaska's Lisa Murkowski, both of whom, by the way, voted to save the Affordable Care Act. Uh, If one of those Republicans decides to join the Democrats and the Democrats stay together, this nominee can be blocked, at least until after the November elections. Many Democrats, though not all, have already said that they want to follow the uh, so-called McConnell rule that he invented to prevent a vote on Obama's nomination of Merrick Garland uh, to the court for nearly a year. Because, as McConnell uh, told us at the time, it was an election year and the American people should have a voice in deciding the next Supreme Court justice. Well, um, when uh, that vacancy occurred uh, in 2016, that was in February of 2016, McConnell said that, oh, people have already started voting in the primaries, so uh, we should wait until after the election, until after the American people have spoken. Well, now Kennedy's vacancy won't occur until August in an election year. His last day is uh, July 31. So now we're talking about August, September, October. Three months, just barely three months before the November 6th general election, which could end up flipping the House, I'm sorry, the Senate, Uh, from uh, Republican control to Democratic control. So, uh, yes, this is a uh, a rough road, as Meteor Blades says, but it is doable if we, the people, put pressure, lots of it, between now and, well, whenever this uh, vote may happen, as Mitch McConnell has promised that it would happen before the election because he's a hypocrite. Well, and to put it into perspective, you know, this Supreme Court and mm-hmm. the Supreme Court justice that Trump would presumably try to nominate, you know, they're going to be able to have an impact on Americans' lives for decades. Yep. So four months between now and the election, four months is uh, is doable, I think. And that's if you uh, remember, he doesn't leave until the end of uh, July. So exactly. it's three months. So three, well, four uh, months of strong pressure, uh, three yes. months of uh, intense, insane, yes. you know, <laughs> crucible-like you pressure. Right. Now, there are also other uh, routes that if that one doesn't work, including one that I hinted at a little bit during my conversation with John Nichols on yesterday's uh, show, uh, including walking out. Democrats could simply walk out to prevent all Senate business from happening at all until after the November election. Yes, that is actually an option. I looked it up. I mentioned to uh, to John that I didn't know what the quorum rules were for the uh, for the U.S. Senate. But turns out the U.S. Constitution spells them out, at least in general. Article one, section five says that the Senate can only do business with a quorum, which is defined as, quote, a majority of each house. So if 51 members are not present, uh, they can't do any voting at all. And if uh, John McCain is not there, that means there will be uh, 50 Republicans if they're all there. That would be 50 Republicans. 
And if all Democrats walk out, well, that is not a majority, as far as I can tell, uh, of, of the Senate. Um, what about uncl- Mike Pence? Do unclear. We know? I okay. think it's actually unclear. I was about to mention that. Unclear if he counts or not in that regard. Uh, but so there are other potential strategies, none of them easy. At the same time, uh, just to finish with the Meteor Blades thought here, uh, nobody should underestimate the potential damage to civil rights and human rights another right winger on the court will most assuredly cause. The wreckage produced in its current configuration is already bad enough, he says. Even if we lose this battle, however, we should not give in to despair. That's coming from uh, someone who was there uh, who, you know, saw folks killed trying to uh, merely sign up people to vote back in 1964, working with uh, Congressman John Lewis. I knew there was a reason I like Meteor Blades. <laughs> and it I wasn't know. just because he agrees with you. No. <laughs> Uh, and he doesn't always agree with me, but uh, he's he's uh, been very good over the years on uh, on on voting rights, on civil rights and on voting rights. Uh, do we have time? Yeah. Well, I, I want to I'll just uh, point you over to um, Zon uh, Valines, I think is how you say her name. Uh, another great piece that happens to be at Daily Coast today. Uh, warning, authoritarian regimes thrive on a demoralized populace. They survive by slowly wearing us down, by convincing us there's nothing we can do. And now so many of my friends, she writes, are doing that work on their behalf. It's time to stop. They're throwing up their hands, her friends, saying everyone is doomed and devoting their precious energy to convincing everyone how bad the world will soon be. She says, I don't know what the future holds or if the doomsday scenarios will come to fruition. I do know that spending our time paralyzed in panic only emboldens Trump and his ilk. Feeling depressed feels awful. It's also what the Trump regime wants because it reduces a person's effectiveness. And then she goes on to offer what she describes as her modest recipe for fighting back against the Trump regime, protecting yourself from panic and depression and maintaining a little perspective. I'll try to link to her full article. She got a lot of uh, very good advice there. Let me hit uh, just a few of them. It's a long piece, but there's some good stuff there that I think is quite use- was quite useful for me today. So maybe it'll be useful for you. A few of the items. Don't waste your energy on tactics that feel bad or don't work. She says, for example, I didn't listen to the ProPublica audio of immigrant children crying for their parents uh, down at that uh, border facility. She said, I already knew they were crying. I already knew this was horrific. I know how babies cry when they can't be with their parents because I have a baby. Thinking of her in those children's shoes would only have left me feeling angry and paralyzed. So she didn't want to hear it. She said, you don't have to do everything. She says, listen to and learn from the people whom Trump endangers the most, citing people of color, women, poor people, young people who are the backbone of the Democratic Party. Energize them and we win everything, she says. In my home state of Georgia, progressive Stacey Abrams trounced her white moderate opponent by shifting left and galvanizing progressive voters. The old strategy isn't working. It's time for a new one, she says. She says, do what you can. Rely on others to do what you cannot. Find something you're good at and do that. 
She says, I count on my stay-at-home mom friends to go to the protest that I can attend. They count on me to write about issues with which they're not familiar. Stop wasting time talking about how bad things are or will be. That's hard to do for a guy who's on the radio, but I think it's good <laughs> advice. Yes. She says there have been many scary moments in this country. Japanese internments, centuries of slavery, medical experiments on people of color, forced sterilization. The list is virtually endless. The sky, she says, has fallen many times. To behave, to behave as if this is the first time things have been really scary... The only moment at which democracy has been threatened is to discount the many horrifying moments of the past. It also ignores that for some people, there's never been much democracy in this nation. Stop blaming your allies, she uh, advises, especially marginalized groups. Stop blaming those allies for Trump. This is a good one. She says, I'm pretty pissed at people who didn't vote or who threw away their vote on a third party because if all of them had voted for Clinton, we wouldn't be in this mess. That doesn't mean any of this is their fault. People have very valid reasons, she says, for staying home or voting third party. Democrats have done a very poor job of representing the needs of most marginalized groups. So to assume that those groups will vote for them, no questions asked, is galling. It's time to stop pointing at those who didn't vote unless, of course, you want them to get even angrier and not vote again. I can't tell you how many people I have heard from. Uh, well, certainly in, in the you know since the election, but even in the past week, as I've been, you know, talking about uh, progressives who can't seem to tell the difference between, you know, who think, both parties are the same, and uh, one may be the lesser of two evils. Um, and I've, I've heard from people saying, yeah, go give it to them. Give them hell. Give, uh, give, them, give those Jill Stein voters hell. No, I don't do that. I'm not going to blame any voter for any way that they vote. I want to inform people so that they can make an informed decision. And I don't think that uh, yelling and screaming at third-party voters is any way to win them over to your side as uh, Zahn here seems to concur. And uh, she was uh, a voter of, uh, of Clinton, as I recall from this note. She talks about uh, pick an issue to get uh, to one issue, one or two, to avoid getting overwhelmed. Take care of yourself. Take days off. Don't feel bad about it when, when you uh, to take care of yourself. I got to remind myself of that one. Yeah, Desi I think she's talking directly to you. On yeah, that. she might be. Uh, and then she adds, for the love of God, show up and vote, please. Clinton was not perfect, she notes. Under her, however, abortion wouldn't be under attack. We might be talking about police reform instead of how to lock up more black and brown bodies. It's been said so often because it's true. Elections have consequences. She notes in cities and towns across the country, judges are running for election. Young people are seeking seats on city councils. People are still trying to change things. Just this week, a young Latina woman unseated a 10-term Democratic incumbent. Lots of good advice uh, from Zon uh, Villines. Villines, not sure. Uh, I will uh, try to post a link to her advice uh, at Daily Coast, headlined, Authoritarianism Thrives on Demoralization. How to Fight Trump and Stay Psychologically Healthy. 
All right, one more along this uh, along these lines before we get to a break from our friend David Dayan. He says uh, he was out with uh, friends last night, and while we were all grimly discussing the latest assault on our political senses, one woman said in the most cheerful tone these words uh, that have uh, said these words in the most cheerful tone that have ever been spoken. Quote, I'm Native American. We survived genocide. She meant it as an expression of perseverance. It's a tough pill to swallow when you're staring down the barrel end of a woman's right, uh, right to choose her own medical care, among uh, however many other horribles. But it's kind of true. Dayan notes, Anthony Kennedy was only a moderate on a court systematically tilted to the right. This year, he was down the line reactionary. His departure entrenches the court in its radical position, probably as much as it's been since the early New Deal. And yet one election in 2020 and maybe you have a new court. FDR at the time, uh, back during the New Deal, when the Supreme Court was blocking everything he was trying to do, he threatened uh, to pack the courts. Congress and the public didn't take up that idea, but the court got the message and ramped down the practice of nullifying the New Deal. Democrats, as, as we've discussed on this show, should also pack the courts again or at least start threatening it if they ever regain power in order to steal back the majority that was stolen from them by Mitch McConnell and the Republicans in 2016. But we'll get back to that point on another day. More immediately, David Dayan writes, a congressional election that restores the ability of Congress to conduct real oversight or state elections that put... Uh, committed public servants into office can make a difference. Laws can constrain a court in much the same way that a court can constrain laws. Yes, good point, David. Please note, virtually every fake, phony crisis that Donald Trump has been creating in recent days and weeks and months from family separation at the border to his ongoing trade wars, his Muslim travel ban, his lifting of DACA, that threatens the deportation of hundreds of thousands of young immigrants who came here with their parents years ago. And yes, many of the uh, the, the anti-voting rights issues that the Supreme Court has ruled on of late, all of those can actually be fixed pretty much immediately through legislation. No matter how the Supreme Court rules on these various things or on the Trump uh, or the way that, you know, the Trump administration chooses to interpret existing law or or not interpret it. So these fake crisis uh, crises that uh, has have been created by the president and this failed Republican Congress that can all be fixed with a Democratic Congress and a Democratic president. Many of these things um, can be fixed or blocked even without a Democratic president if Democrats can regain control of one or both houses of Congress. Without a Democratic president, sure, or Democratic Congress. Well, they can be fixed without a Democratic president if you have, you know, many of these things. The only reason that immigration reform has not passed is because Republicans won't put it up for a vote. If they put up a proper bill, you'd have pretty much every Democrat in the House and probably enough Republicans joining in that could they could override a, 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 a veto by Donald Trump. And that would be if he vetoed it. He's pretty much said he would, uh, you know, sign anything. We'll see. But, you know, so it, no, it doesn't take 
these things can be fixed. They can be corrected. The Supreme Court cannot destroy everything. They may try, but, you know, the people, we can change this. Dan notes, uh, we can't predict the future, but we can work to shape it. Giving in to despair ensures defeat. We saw a glimpse of the future in a congressional district in Queens and the Bronx on Tuesday night. That was an indication of a confident new generation that understands how to inspire people that has internalized a broken system and is out to change it. We're seeing a new guard that wants to transform politics as an old guard stubbornly clings to its methods that shut out the people. David writes, as much as there is reason for pessimism, there is also signs of renewal. I want to take a quick break and come back to talk about a few of those signs of renewal, uh, some that I had hoped to get to yesterday following primary elections in a bunch of states on Tuesday. Much of that got sidetracked by uh, Kennedy's retirement announcement. So let's come back to that as a reminder of what we can look forward to if we all stay calm, we all avoid panic and despair and pessimism. Yes, we can fix this mess. It will not be easy. Uh, it won't happen overnight. But if we can just stay focused and avoid despair and remain hopeful, even in the midst of continuing short-term setbacks, well, then, uh, yes, we shall overcome. Some hopeful signs from this week's elections and more when we return. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. Remember me, the guy who was warning you about Donald Trump from the day he entered the race, when the rest of the U.S. media were telling you his candidacy was a joke, that he'd never win, and that Hillary Clinton had it in the bag. We told you otherwise from the beginning and up until Election Day. Well, we may have been right, but we still don't have corporate or foundational support. We still rely on you to stay on your public airwaves. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to support the work that Desi Doyen and I do every day. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thank you. Make the Get it off of my shoulder. Working on it. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com uh, with the uh, uh, always delightful Desi Doyen at my side. Uh -huh. uh, it'd be nice to make the world go away wow. right around now, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, but maybe uh, make it go away for a day or two. Take some time off, which I hope to do uh, soon. At least for a day or two. Anyway, uh, where were we? Oh, yes. On Tuesday, voters uh, went to the polls for uh, midterm primary elections across the country in seven different states. We talked about uh, some of the results on yesterday's program with John Nichols. Much of that was sidetracked by the announcement uh, from Anthony Kennedy. So I want to pick up a couple of points that I didn't get to yesterday, but I want to get to today because I think they... Uh, are good, they're helpful, they're encouraging, and they remind us what all of this is about. Uh, first, we did get to talk about uh, a 28-year-old uh, uh, Latina 
Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who defeated the 20-year incumbent Democrat, Congressman Joe Crowley of Queens. It was a huge upset victory for progressives um, of the fourth most powerful Democrat in the U.S. House, uh, who was thought likely to be uh, perhaps become the next uh, Democratic Speaker of the House. Um, I had mentioned yesterday and had wanted to play, but we didn't have time, Ocasio-Cortez's campaign video that had gone viral and helped propel her to victory. Uh, I want to play it today uh, because I think it is still quite inspiring, or at least should be to all of us, uh, uh, even after Ocasio-Cortez overcame huge odds to win this contest, just enormous odds. I mean, she was... Aside from running against the fourth most powerful Democrat in the House, he was also the party boss in Queens, has been for years. She was outspent by Crowley by something like 15 to 1. He spent millions, something I think was $3.5 million. She spent about $200,000. And nonetheless, it should also be noted that Crowley was quite gracious uh, in his concession. He sang Born to Run. Uh, to her uh, on election night after uh, he got trounced by some 15 points. In any event, um, here's uh, some of that that campaign video that went viral from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Women like me aren't supposed to run for office. I wasn't born to a wealthy or powerful family. Mother from Puerto Rico, dad from the South Bronx, I was born in a place where your zip code determines your destiny. My name is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I'm an educator, an organizer, a working class New Yorker. I've worked with expectant mothers, I've waited tables and led classrooms. And going into politics wasn't in the plan. But after 20 years of the same representation, we have to ask, who has New York been changing for? Every day gets harder for working families like mine to get by. The rent gets higher, healthcare covers less, and our income stays the same. It's clear that these changes haven't been for us, and we deserve a champion. It's time to fight for a New York that working families can afford. That's why I'm running for Congress. This race is about people versus money. We've got people, they've got money. It's time we acknowledge that not all Democrats are the same. That a Democrat who takes corporate money, profits off foreclosure, doesn't live here, doesn't send his kids to our schools, doesn't drink our water or breathe our air, cannot possibly represent us. What the Bronx and Queens needs is Medicare for all, tuition-free public college, a federal jobs guarantee and criminal justice reform. We can do it now. It doesn't take a hundred years to do this. It takes political courage. A New York for the many is possible. It's time for one of us. Vote for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on June 26th. Well, that uh, that courage and that inspirational video paid off on Tuesday night. And what it, what turned out to be some long overdue good news of late uh, for progressives. Ocasio-Cortez, um, who really became a, an overnight star 
uh, after that victory on Tuesday, star, at least in the media. Uh, she will almost certainly win in this very Democratic district this November. She says she is uh, not the only one out there running on similar issues. And she responded to Democratic uh, leader Nancy Pelosi's comments that folks shouldn't make too much out of that victory, saying that it was just one progressive district in New York. Well, Ocasio-Cortez says, no, there's a lot of other people out there like me uh, running around the country, thinking about running uh, across the country. Um, so, yeah, anything is possible. If that can happen, I would suggest anything is possible. Yeah. Now, Ocasio-Cortez was backed by Justice Dems, and there are also the folks that are backed by Indivisible. There have been there are all numbers of groups everywhere in every single state and every single county that are doing the hard work, the groundwork of recruiting these candidates, helping educate voters, helping engage voters. You know, it, there are plenty of places to get involved, not just uh, national but at your state level, at your local level, there's lots of work to be done. You think? Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, on Tuesday night, also uh, some uh, interesting good news out of Colorado. Uh, Congressman Jared Polis on Tuesday won the Democratic nomination to be the next governor of Colorado, outlasting three other Democrats. In the process, Paulus uh, becomes the third member of the LGBT community to win a gubernatorial nomination this year. The first time in American history that more than one open LGBT person has won a nomination for governor in any given year. Paulus faces a close race in a state that uh, Hillary Clinton won by uh, just about five points in 2000 and, uh, in 2008. That's not right. That's what the Hill says. I think they mean 2016. In any event, uh, he is running to replace the outgoing term-limited uh, Democratic Governor John Hickenlooper. Democrats have won three gubernatorial elections in a row in Colorado. The Republicans were able to capture a U.S. Senate seat which is now held by Senator Cory Gardner in the 2014 midterm elections when apparently too many Democrats decided to stay home. And uh, that is why, well, we've got a, a one seat margin, essentially, in the U.S. Senate. Had they come out in 2014, uh, there might have had Democrats come out in those midterms. There might have been a different story in the U.S. Senate today. In any event, Polis will face Walker Stapleton, uh, the first-term state treasurer who won the Republican nomination on Tuesday. He's the second cousin of George W. Bush. Another Bush? Yep. Wow. Uh, and he uh, defeated several other Republicans, including um, an investment banker who is Mitt Romney's nephew. So that's who the Republicans are putting up, relatives of, of Bush Romney's and Romney and in, in wow. uh, Colorado. Uh, by the way, for his part, Mitt Romney easily won the nod for the Republican U.S. Senate nomination himself in Utah on Tuesday. He's now uh, set most likely to take the seat held by outgoing GOP Senator Orrin Hatch, though neither of those two uh, belong in this part of our story by any stretch in the part of the story that has to do with LGBT uh, candidates Definitely for governor, not. <laughs> um, at least that we know of. Anyway, dun, dun, dun. Polis uh, is the first openly gay man to be nominated for governor in Colorado and one of just two gay men ever to win a major party's gubernatorial nomination. 
Uh, he's not the uh, first LGBT person to secure a gubernatorial spot this year, however. In Oregon, Governor Kate Brown, Democrat, is the first openly bisexual person to serve as a governor of any state. She's heavily favored to win a full four-year term. Texas Democrats uh, nominated former Dallas County Sheriff Lupe Valdez. Um, she is the first lesbian to win a gubernatorial nomination. She, however, faces long odds today against the Lone Star State's very well-funded incumbent Republican governor, Greg Abbott. So some good news for LGBT folks on uh, on Tuesday as well. That is worth knowing. And uh, some good news in all places, of all places, in Oklahoma. James Lambert of uh, Daily Coast Elections uh, was the first to notice on uh, Tuesday night that there were some not, as he described, some not insignificant primary carnage in Oklahoma state primaries, a state racked by budget dysfunction under GOP rule. He said, I'm counting 10 state legislative incumbents currently trailing their primary challengers there. This was on election night. Six Oklahoma GOP incumbents outright lost their seats in primaries tonight, he said. And these are incumbents in both the uh, state Senate and the state House. He notes that at least another 11 had been forced into runoff elections. And he notes at the same time that it doesn't look like a single Democratic incumbent in the Oklahoma state legislature was defeated in a primary on Tuesday or forced into a runoff. The bloodbath was only the anti-incumbency bloodbath was aimed in one direction, at Republicans only, uh, where we might be seeing something akin to what we saw back in the uh, anti-incumbency wave in, I think it was 2014 in Kansas when the Far right in Kansas was replaced with much more moderate Republicans after their budget, just like Oklahoma's, was absolutely crushed thanks to tax cuts by a Republican governor who pretended that Reaganomic trickle down actually works, even though it never has. But uh, what happened in Oklahoma this week follows on the uh, on the heels of a, a two week walkout by teachers there in the state earlier this year in protest of drastic cuts to education. That resulted in dozens of teachers, administrators and school supporters running for office in that primary on Tuesday. The uh, most endangered folks on Tuesday night were apparently the state legislators who had voted against increasing taxes to pay those teachers. AP reports that of the 10 no voters in the state house uh, who voted no to uh, increase taxes to pay teachers, of the 10 who were running for re-election, two were defeated outright on Tuesday. Seven others ended up in an August 28 primary runoff against fellow Republicans. Four other Republican incumbents also were defeated on Tuesday, including one who lost to a seventh grade English teacher. Womp womp. So, uh, yes, even in Oklahoma, people can and are pushing back. And finally today, uh, Oklahoma voters also, yes, supposedly those conservative Republican Oklahoma voters, on Tuesday they backed the medical use of marijuana on a, uh, a, state, a, a state initiative. This was a result of an activist-led signature campaign. 
which will now make it legal to grow, sell, and use marijuana for medicinal purposes across the state. Under the uh, law, a two-year medical marijuana license would allow someone to possess up to eight ounces of marijuana, six mature plants. Um, this uh, is a big That's a deal. That's a big deal. Yeah, this is uh, the most conservative state, I think, to approve the use of marijuana. Um, it's the also the uh, it's the first state to have that on their ballot this year. But there are more ahead later in this year in Michigan and Utah. Yes, Utah. We'll have marijuana on the ballot this year. So um, anyway, uh, good news uh, when people show up and vote, even in states like Oklahoma, which uh, Stephen Colbert celebrated after the passage of the marijuana initiative last night on CBS's The Late Show. Smoke from weed can sure smell sweet when you need to fill your Saturday. Home every night, my stoner friend and I hang and get real high watching Family Guy with a large meat lover's pizza pie. T O K E L A H O M A. Feel better yet? I do. Uh, we'll just take a quick break and we'll come back. Desi Doyen will ruin it all with our <laughs> latest episode of the Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Toke them if you got them. Five major corporations now control more than 80% of the media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. You can make a difference. Support independent media. Drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. There is no stopping this world. Welcome back <laughs> to true. the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. All right, Desi Doyne, uh, you have uh, some more news on both Anthony Kennedy and Tuesday's elections in our latest Green News Report. We will vote to confirm Justice Kennedy's successor this fall. Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy's retirement is bad news for the climate. For the people who live here, there's nothing to come home to burn to scrap and ash. New wildfires hit Northern California and five other states. Federal judge dismisses San Francisco's climate liability lawsuit. Plus, when we decide to take action, the world by default gets better. Bright spots in the primaries as progressive climate hawks win upset victories. All of that upset and more straight ahead. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Nature is not a political game. It is now, Governor Brown. And the bad guys just rolled Yahtzee. This is your Green News Report. I'm gonna soak up the sun. 
Okay, Desi Doyen, lots of concerns about whoever the replacement may be for Justice Anthony Kennedy and, of course concerns about the climate along with it. Yep. Kennedy's retirement from the U.S. Supreme Court is an ominous development that could bring about sweeping changes to both U.S. environmental law and the federal government's authority to address climate change. So it's potentially bad not just for the nation, but for the planet and future generations because of the need to act on climate right now. Justice Kennedy's record was pretty positive overall on environmental protection. He was the crucial fifth vote in the land Mark ruling Massachusetts versus EPA, which upheld the Environmental Protection Agency's authority to regulate the greenhouse gases that cause dangerous climate change. A more conservative Supreme Court could overhaul established public health protections like the Clean Air Act and the Clean Water Act and even the Endangered Species Act. And significant climate policy and pollution lawsuits are now headed to the U.S. Supreme Court, like President Obama's Clean Power Plan that set the first ever carbon emission standards for power plants. Bottom line, adding another anti-environment, anti-regulation, right-wing justice like Neil Gorsuch to the bench will likely push the court to further restrict the scope of federal authority and limit environmental justice. You know, I wish I had a snarky comment here, but I really don't. I don't blame you. Speaking of justice, a climate liability lawsuit against major oil companies that was brought by the cities of San Francisco and Oakland was dismissed by a federal judge this week. The cities were seeking damages to pay for the costs and impacts of rising sea levels. In his ruling, District Court Judge William Alsup called the dangers of climate change, quote, very real and noted that the fossil fuel companies did not dispute that burning their products causes global warming. But he said that it is a global problem that requires a global solution beyond the court's power to provide and said that Congress and the executive branch must solve it. Oh, well, that should go very well. So ExxonMobil, BP and Chevron escaped blame for those public costs, but other ongoing climate liability lawsuits continue to wend their way through state and local courts. So this is just one judge who turned down this uh, suit. Other judges may see it completely differently. That's correct. Of course, if they do, those cases, I suspect, will go all the way to the Supreme Court, and then they'll die. We'll just have to see. Too cynical? Meanwhile, four new wildfires have erupted in Northern California amid high winds and high temperatures, including one less than 20 miles away from the catastrophic and deadly wine country fires last fall that obliterated entire neighborhoods. The Pawnee Fire has already destroyed homes and forced thousands to evacuate. It is Lake County, California's fourth major wildfire in just four years. Mm. A new study concludes that U.S. oil and gas drillers are leaking far more methane than previously estimated by the federal government, some 60% more. Led by the Environmental Defense Fund, the study, published in the journal Science, estimates that about $2 billion worth of natural gas is lost to leaks every year in the United States, enough to heat 10 million homes. Because methane is a powerful greenhouse gas, it has a big impact on climate change. But the good news, the authors say, is that most of the leakage can be stopped at relatively 
relatively low cost to industry. Finally, there is a bright spot of good news. I'll take it. Progressive climate hawk candidates scored upset victories in 2018 primary elections this week. In Utah, Navajo Kenneth Maryboy unseated incumbent Rebecca Benali for San Juan County Commissioner. Benali supported the Trump administration's gutting of the Bears Ears National Monument boundaries against the wishes of the majority of Navajo tribal members in the state. And the voters tossed her out? Yes, they did. Good for them. And in the New York primary, progressive candidate and climate hawk Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez won the Democratic nomination for House District 14 against longtime incumbent Democratic Representative Joe Crowley. Ocasio-Cortez calls for transitioning the nation to 100 percent renewable electricity by 2035. Go Alexandria for much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today. Check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and please share us worldwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Hold your head up. Oh, hold your head up. Oh, hold your head up. Oh, hold your head up. Yes, please do. <laughs> Thank you very much, Desi Doyan. Uh, And my thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is greatly appreciated. I know it's been a tough day, a tough week. Tough Tough couple of months. Oh, a tough year. Yeah, but uh, you know what? We'll... We'll make it. We'll hang in there. Somehow we will make this together. As you always say, (laughs) this country ain't going to save itself. No, it's not. But we can all do it together. Yep. Hold your head high. Uh, Thank you very much. Uh, If you missed any portion of today's show, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. You can drop me email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Bradblog. And the only reason we are here at all is because of those of you who have stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help us try to keep doing what we try to do over your public airwaves day after day after day, no matter how difficult this gets. Uh, We really, well, we only rely on your support. If you haven't stopped by, please do bradblog.com slash donate. Consider a one-time donation, which is much appreciated, as is a monthly automated donation donation of any amount you like. Um, You can do that. uh, That keeps us going. Uh, You can do that at bradblog.com slash donate. All right, that's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. (laughs) 